Hello, hello. Hola to y'all out there. Kalo K, what's good? Jumble, Jumble Sano, whatever you need me to say. I'm just greeting y'all with much love. Oh, and I'm so excited. You are listening to The Griot on the podcast known as The Lesson Planned. And I'm so excited you guys are in your car, at your job, in your school, in your kitchen. Listen to this. I'm about to get some education, some knowledge dropped on you for free, mind you. And it is good stuff, too. It's, you know, I'm putting some effort into this with all my colleagues trying to give y'all the best we can. I said, so today's episode is an episode of first. We're going to get some stories for our story time segment about teachers and their first experiences with their students, whether it be exciting, fun, or just really entertaining. Also, we're going to talk about what you need to look at in your first day of school. Why am I talking about this in February? Because what I need you to do as a parent, a guardian, or someone who's in the education system is to have this in your mind, prepared, and mull over that. Because before you know it, August is coming up. And we don't want you just dropping your kids off at the building. We want you to know who you're talking to. We want you to know what's going on. We want you to feel equipped with the tools, talents, and skills to help the teacher make sure your student has the best education they can. But before we start all that, you know what we're going to have? The quote of the week, quote of the week, quote of the week. I thought an echo would be fun for that one. (laughs) But for real, the quote of the week is by Malcolm X. And this might be the quote for the whole podcast, y'all. He says, only a fool would let his enemy teach his children. I pause right there for a second because I really want you to sit on that. Because I... Unfortunately, we live in a colonized society, in a colonized um, education system that was never and has never been structured to support marginalized communities, especially black and brown bodies. It has never been structured or equipped with what it needs to to give our students who look like me, black and brown, who look like a person of color with everything they need to be celebrated and. So let me amend my statement. Um, My sound engineer just played something back, and I want to articulate this a little differently. It's not even that this um, education system has been structured to not provide us with the best opportunities. This education has been structured to keep uh, black and brown bodies in a box in the way they think and the way they operate. It has never been developed in a way to celebrate the culture or reflect that student for who they are holistically. I mean, let's be realistic. Who really is in the media? Who is in the in the forefront? Who is represented in this in this society in this white white systematic oppressive society? Because that's how we operate. Let's just be honest. We're still continuing pressing and pushing forward to have better things for ourselves. So what I'm here to do is talk about how you can move through this if you choose to put your child in a school system and these different in different districts, how you can move and facilitate conversations that better and best your student. Because the reality is that the, the school systems and the structures aren't there to help us. They're not there to support us. They never have been. And and if you if you can tell me it has been that way, hold on, I'll pause, I'll wait. Oh, nothing. Exactly. Because it really hasn't been been developed that way. Let's just be honest. There was an old adage where they used to say for um Native Americans that they sent them to schools and it would say kill the Indian, save the man. You know what I mean? And that's the reality. It's like keep keep the keep that child 
who is a black child, a brown child, who even is indigenous, keep them in this mindset and in this box where we focus only on nowadays standardized testing and different things that some people will say, oh, this is how we educate the children. But you're negating that child and who they are and where they come from. So that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about not not what you do when you go to the first day of school, when you speak to the teacher, not asking about the test, not how they do um, in regards to grades. But what I really want us to focus on in the topic of today is cultural pedagogy. That is super important. The first week of school, if you can get in even before that, because teachers are at school, they have PDs a week before school starts. So if you as a parent, please be empowered to go in, ask if you can speak to the principal, ask and see if you can speak to the person who's going to have your child. I'm a teacher. I have your child um, about mm, six, seven hours a day. You know, depending on where I'm at and what location, that's a long time to be in front of your child. And you need to know who I am and what I look like and what my cultural pedagogy is. Oh, did you just hear that? That word that came your way? Cultural pedagogy? Yeah, that's the vocab word of the week. Yeah, I feel like if I say it like that, smooth and chill, vocab word of the week, it'll make you want to learn it. Uh, But as I said, cultural pedagogy, guys. Um, Pedagogy is the study of education, how teachers practice their methods of um, uh, giving, disseminating education in the classroom, how they do these different things, our skills, how we implement them. Culture is just what you think it's how it's how we celebrate our students culture and who they are and what they bring to the table and it's also how we develop our own classroom culture because we're we're in a classroom of 20 25 students so we all come from different backgrounds and how we can forge that into a wonderful blossoming um uh, atmosphere for education so again i really want you guys to think about and learn about this word cultural pedagogy i'll give you an example Okay, so it doesn't even have to be based on, um, in this country, the idea of race, even though predominantly um, it's white women who are educators. Um, Hopefully they're women who happen to be white and they recognize that they're operating in a a system that is oppressive to the students they service. But anyways, point being, um, so let's say I, as a woman of color, a United States um, citizen, uh, I go to... A reservation, right? And I go to try to teach an indigenous population. I've never been there before. I don't know their culture. I don't know how they operate. So I need to be competent and aware that I need to learn from them so that I can celebrate my students so that that gives me a place where I can teach them holistically. And parents, guardians, uh, first-year teachers, anybody in education, it is super important. It is necessary. I mandate you to become competent in, in cultural pedagogy because if you do not celebrate your students, And it's not just, um, I I say this, it's not just white folks. It's, It's people of color who've bought into this colonized idea. Please flee from it. Flee from it. With, with a passion, fervency to escape it. Because 
the idea of teaching our students, uh, unfortunately, in a, a, a room where bells are and we train them to sit silently and we don't respect the fact that they come from uh, demonstrative cultures, if we don't respect the fact that they come from um, cultures that are orators, uh, a lot of in the black community, we are orators. We speak. We sit around our um, grandma's feet and listen to her talk to us and share information all in black and brown communities. Our churches are very demonstrative. We're call and response. So so that's how we're oriented. So if you tra- if you think you can train that out of someone and not respect their culture, you're going to not only slight your class, you're not only going to develop your class in a negative way, you're going to negate that student and give their experience in this classroom a bad taste in their mouth. So I really encourage you, teachers as well as parents, guys, on the first First week of school, like I said earlier, like you can go in and, and, and before the first week of school, excuse me, there's a PD that we have. and We set up our classrooms. If you can call the school and find out if you can meet who your children's teachers are and go to them. This is the this is the knowledge I'm dropping on y'all. Take these notes. I need you to go to them. I need you to talk to Miss whoever, whoever it is, whether it be black, white, yellow, pink, whatever it may be. And you need to go in front of them. You need to say, ask the principal, what is your cultural pedagogy? In the school, what is your vision for the school? How will you hold my child accountable? How will you have what are the standards you have for my child? Please know that even though my child may come from this background, that they deserve a person who stands in front of them and teaches them to have very high standards for them. They need to have somebody in front of them who says, this is my educational philosophy. I will not, I demand the best from you. I expect the best from you. And believe me, in my experiences, I have seen people come off the mountain and look at our kids and say, our kids as in my black and brown students and look at them as if, oh, well, you know, they're going through this or they're going through that struggle and, not holding them accountable and not challenging them to be great, but but looking at them as if they're a victim. Please do not look at your students as victims if you work in a low-income area, whatever it may be. Instead, look at them as people who are resilient, overcoming, and hold them accountable. Yes, recognize their situation, but recognize it is usually because of systematic oppression, disenfranchisement of the communities, but that's a whole other story. But back to what I'm saying is that parents go into the schools, find out, who your kids' teachers are. Please, I'm holding you accountable for that. I'm challenging you. I have been in situations again, and I've known some of my colleagues where uh, a, a teacher has taken over a classroom or they come in and they never met the parent. You got to meet who's in front of your kid. You got to ask them, what do you believe? How are you going to challenge my student? What do you expect of them? Don't ask about homework. Don't ask about grades. Don't ask about reading levels. No, you need to ask about that person and their philosophy as an educator, who they are and what they expect of your student and what you demand of them. If that means you need to say, hey, Miss such and such, I need you to email me every other week. I need you to email me every Friday. I need you to text me. I need you to communicate with me. I need you to find out. I need you to find a way where you can let me know how my child is doing. Don't wait till report card, progress reports to find out your child is struggling or going through some difficult things because the best time is to start before school even starts. Go have a tour of the school. See where your kid's going to be at and ask them, how do you discipline my student? Again, that deals with cultural pedagogy and the cultural philosophy. Because again, I, I can't help but emphasize this. Black and brown students are orators. We are storytellers. We come from oral tradition. 
That is what we have had for so long. And I'm not just talking about before we got here, uh, when we were down, you know, in the struggle. I'm not talking about in a condition of slavery. No, I'm not talking about when we were in condition of slavery. I'm talking about even before that. There's a reason I call myself the griot. There's a reason why. Because we come from a tradition of storytellers. For In the indigenous community, it's storytelling. That's how we pass it on. And yes, we have literacy, but we still, even in our, in our today, it's like a genetic uh, inheritance. We just know how to talk to each other and share a story and share a message, you know. So I really want to encourage you on that one, that we really focus on being present and, 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 and take these notes, write them down, go to the school and ask what the expectations are. Ask what you, what you need to know, because there's nothing worse than uh, having your child in high school and not knowing that if the police officers break up a fight they're in, they're getting arrested. Like no parent wants to hear that, but you didn't know because you didn't ask or you don't know what's going on. And I'm not blaming you. I'm saying I want you to be empowered. I want you to know that your voice matters as a teacher, uh, as an educator, and most important, your voice matters as a parent. It matters so much. We need you so much to be present. Um, you are invited. I, as a teacher, invite you <laughs> to, to, to go into these classrooms and see what your child is learning um, because you are the most valuable asset we can have. Um, in helping us work together as a community. And this is for those who choose to uh, put their children in uh, the public school system as well as the private school system. Uh, you really should know who's uh, leading the school. You should know the vision of the school because some schools are in positions where they're focused on standardized testing. We're going to talk more of that in future, more about that in future episodes, uh, what Common Core is, things of that nature. Um, a lot of schools sometimes, unfortunately, are focused on that uh, sterilized testing, which means that uh, students may have a lack of other things that you would want your child to learn. You need to learn that. Don't just put your child in a school just because they fall in that district. You need to find out. And you can fight. You have power as a person. You can speak up. We need you to advocate for your children to have the best that they can have. Um, the idea that this education system is going to rectify or fix itself, it's always been broken. Anybody will tell you that. But the idea that it'll ever just suddenly regulate itself is um, ludicrous, uh, obtuse, insane. It's just, it's not. It's not. It's not been set up to support us, and it's not going to figure it out anyway now, um, because why would it? You know, I, I even say this, like, nothing, nothing's new under the sun, okay? Because if you don't advocate and speak up for yourself, um, and for your child. And don't get me wrong, there are uh, good uh, educators out there. But if you don't advocate speakers up for yourself because nothing's new under the sun. You know, when we was uh, when they had our ancestors who were in the condition of slavery, I'll say that one more time, when they had our ancestors in the condition of slavery, they um, had them, kept them illiterate. And they kept them illiterate because they knew if they had knowledge, they could learn, they could flee, they could figure it out, right? Nah, you can't read. And if you do, I just might end your life, you know? And, and if you look at it now, look at the literacy, literacy rates. Look who are the communities of children who struggle to advance themselves because they're functionally illiterate or they are illiterate or they're so far behind in learning um, how to read, 
there's so many different variables that go into to, 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 to those reasons why our children struggle, struggle with literacy. But you have those situations. And then look who's the ones who um, struggle the rest of their lives in regards to that, to keep us confined and bound. There's so many different things that go into this. And sure, some people may say, oh, this is all a theory you have. Whether it's a theory or not, you still need to go into these schoolhouses and advocate for your child and find out and build a relationship and rapport with the staff that is teaching your children and who this person is don't and don't just assume that everybody got good intentions i'm gonna be real talk some people just there for a check they burnt out they don't know what to do with themselves and they like well here's option a b c d let me just get this paper and figure it out later no you need to know and you have to hold people accountable and also hold yourself accountable and how you can be the best parent you can be and be empowered in learning what your child is being taught so that you can help them because we have to work in tandem. We have to work together uh, uh, for the best for your child. You know, I'll give you an example of what this looks like. In my school, we were talking about um, forefathers. And um, this, this is why you need to learn the teachers, because this is the type of teacher I am. And you need to see if you can find teachers like this. Or you can see if you can question teachers like this and ask teachers if they talk like this to your students, especially your black and brown students. Uh, my my population is predominantly Latino. And I have black just black and brown students. And we're talking about the forefathers. And we were reading something and it said the forefathers. And I asked another colleague, I said, were they your forefathers? Because she, she's Mexican-American. She was like, no. And I said, so are you going to tell the kids that these men who are, who are white men are, are, are their forefathers? And she paused and she realized what she was doing. I'm not going to facilitate that in my, in my classroom. I'm not going to teach uh, my students that these white men are their forefathers. They're not. They're forefathers of such and such and who they were in. Thank you for your efforts and whatever it may have been that you've done to build the country. High five to that. But I'm not going to lie to my kids. I'm not going to lie to my black student and say this was your forefather. No, no, they weren't my forefathers. My forefathers, some of them were in the condition of slavery. Some of them were freemen. You know, no, 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 no. See, that's what I'm saying. If you if you continue to facilitate that narrative. And if you don't if you don't push through and, and find out what's happening for your students, then you'll be the first one to find out how much they're not growing into what you would hope they would be. And like I said, this is a podcast of first. You want to be the first one on the front line and being proactive along with the teacher and finding out and challenging ideas because we ain't always right and you're not always right, but we can work together and be the first ones to find a solution for our students. Because at the end of the day, it's about celebrating them and bringing them into a place where they can learn and grow and be amazing. <laughs> and you know what, guys? I, I really, again, I really want you to be empowered. Um, for my parents, remember, culture pedagogy. I want you to look that up. Uh, uh, recognize that that is something you should ask the principal um, before school starts. You know, go to the week before the school starts. Go in and ask them, what is your culture pedagogy? How are you going to teach my children? What is your vision um, as a leader, as the servant leader of the school? Um, go to the teacher of your student, uh, of your child, and ask them, how are you going to teach my student? How are you going to hold them accountable? How are you going to educate them? How, what is your standards of excellence for my child? Do you have a vision for this classroom? 
Ask them their cultural pedagogy. I want that to stick with you guys because it's super important. Because if you don't recognize cultural pedagogy and how it affects the child and your student, you're not teaching them holistically. You're um, assimilating into this um, colonized education system, and you're keeping the child in the box. And the assumption that, again, predominantly white women who are educators, and even if they happen to, if they're not just white women but happen to be white, shout out to Amanda Seals, um, don't assume that they know what to do. Don't assume that they understand the culture of the community. Sometimes they don't even live in the community. So you need to ask them, who are you and what are you going to do and how you're going to be a servant leader in this classroom and to my student who you don't even know their background or where they come from. So you need to ask them that and, and, and inquire if they're prepared for this. And teachers, you need to be prepared for this. If you are coming into a community and you've never been in that type of demographic, it is it is obtuse for you to think that you can serve them holistically without finding out for yourself, without walking the community, without without dismissing your biases, dismissing your ideas of what an urban population is. Because you've been taught and you've been ingrained to think it a certain way, whether you recognize it or not. So before you go into that classroom teacher, you need to learn that you might have some biases that you need to wrestle with yourself that you need to work out yourself. But I really want to encourage y'all because I I want you to be empowered because I am in the school system until I start my own school, which I will. Until I do that, I have to move in the ins and outs, and you do too. And I want you to be empowered and just really grab onto that word, cultural pedagogy. That's, That's the goal. That's the lesson. That's the learning goal for today, to really recognize how we can do that and use that and change our environments and our atmospheres of our classroom so that our students have incredible experiences. I hate it when a student comes to me and is like, I can't stand reading. Why? Who didn't facilitate that for you? I can't stand this classroom. Why? What's going on? Why are you not having a good experience? School should never feel like prison to pipeline. Oops, did I say that? School, school should never feel like prison to pipeline. It should never feel like that. You should enjoy learning because you are a dynamic, amazing human being. And I just want to let y'all know that. So, but now, you know, we're going to go into, uh, we're going to transition a little bit. We're going to go into the story time segment. Uh, I had some folks send some information so about their lives as teachers and other people send uh, questions they may have. Just slide them in my DMs. I can't wait to uh, expand story time and really build on that because it's going to be fun. It's going to be good. So we're going to read a story from one of my homegirls. And uh, this, this is what she told me, y'all. This is what she told me. This was one of her first. You know, it's the episode of first, her first uh, time teaching. Oh, these are funny, y'all. If we had a reality show as teachers, we'd be making all the dollars. Like Mona Scott would be richer than rich because, yo, the stuff we uh, go through is bananas. Um, Kids is funny, man. So let me tell you what what, what my homegirl said. She said, last year was my first year teaching and it was a rough year from every angle. My administration was awful. My ESL team, that's uh, English language learners. Uh, teams uh, wasn't supportive my mentor could care less about my development as a teacher so it sounds like she about to quit and work at a bank because <laughs> you don't know I know mad teachers who are like nah I'm done I'm burnt out and they quit and they work at a bank um, uh, but she goes on and says like nobody was giving her support and the only thing that got me through that year was my kids they were so amazing so kind so talented so incredibly inspirational and caring by February last year, I knew I was going to leave my school due to the adults in it. And that's facts, man. Listen, y'all, if you can find a good administration, parents and teachers, rock with them. Because real talk, like admin, 
they have their own things they got to work out. And sometimes you feel the rain come down on you because they in their own storms. Um, but um, she said she wanted to stay. And she kept pressing through. And she really was encouraged by her students. And that's something I want to encourage you again as an episode of first. If this is your first year teaching, like find the, you need to find the passion and joy in what you're doing as a teacher. You need to know where you're teaching, why you're teaching, and what you're teaching. Those are three things I'm going to put in my book. Where you're teaching, why you're teaching, and what you're teaching. I know the demographic I want to serve. I know uh, that's where I'm teaching. Why I'm teaching is because it's my passion. I I, I left education, y'all, and I came back. I can't, it's something I got to do. I love seeing the look on my kids' faces. They're incredible. And what you're teaching. I teach English and history because then I get all political with my babies. But um, it, it's, it's real how someone can can find joy and, and, and develop their passion, you know. So as a first-year teacher, you know, you do that. You can find that with your students. You can find a lot of enjoyment with them because they're amazing, yo. Kids are the bomb. And if you just be yourself, please don't BS kids because they will read right through it. So that's one of my one of my homies' uh, uh, first time examples. Another one is is real funny. My homegirl told me that um, one time while she was teaching, <laughs> uh, let me read it to you. She said every morning uh, a little girl <laughs> would come to school and her hair wasn't done, um, and it's a problem in the community she works at because the adults be looking fly, and the child looks crazy. Um, the year before, same the same mom sent her son to school with dirty clothes for his kindergarten graduation. And the child she has now came to the celebration fresh and fly, you know, but you didn't comb your daughter's hair. Um, that's the first time that's ever happened to her. And um, that's just one of the crazy experiences you'll have. Like sometimes you'll come and you'll have your students uh, look you know, rough and their parents will look good because some people have mindsets where they can't focus on their kids or they're, they're, they're not in a place where they really uh, aren't being selfish, but supporting their kids. And the really got to do is you have to, I encourage you to build a relationship with your students. It's all about building a relationship because you can't just roll up on a kid and be like, your hair struggle busting. Can we help you do it? Nah. So you got to build a relationship, but there's just different stories we deal with. Like the first time, first time this ever happened to me, a story of my first, um, one time, uh, I was in a PD for uh, anti-racism, which is weird because I'm I'm a person of color and I I don't really need to be reliving my trauma and my experiences on how people should be anti-racist because I I don't I don't feel like I should have to deal with that. Anti-racism PDs are interesting for people of color. You really should have conversations with them before you make them sit down and listen to white people talk about how they're confused and struggling. But anyways, that's besides the point. Because what happened to me was um, our dean of culture, crazy, right? The person who develops the culture and community of the school, she called us colored people. We were all in a room like, what? We were all in a circle. First time this ever happened to me in education. This woman said, and you know, colored people. And we were like, that's not the word. No more. We don't use that. (laughs) But um, yeah, guys. There are so many firsts that we have had, and uh, I can't wait to share more stories, you know, whether it's like where you deal with your kids coming into school and it's like, why do you smell like pee, you know, or <laughs> you deal with like a jacked up administration. There's so many different ways we can navigate that as educators, as teachers, as well as there's ways you can navigate in your community as parents and what we can do to help uh, build up and develop our students. The most important thing is to celebrate our kids, y'all, and celebrate where they're going. 
So with that being said, y'all, we've come to the end of my first podcast. I'm so excited. Next week, we're going to have a guest on the show, and that's going to be fun, exciting. I hope you learned something from this. You know, the lesson planned is, like, basically about how things don't go planned, go as planned. But we have to imp- uh, uh, improvise and really make it work so that we can, again, celebrate our kids. I love my black and brown students. That's my demographic I serve, and I love celebrating them. I love all kids, but this has just happened who I get to serve, and I'm honored to be their teacher. I'm honored to be in front of them. If you don't feel honored to be in front of your kids, you need to go, and that's the first lesson you need to learn. So remember, y'all, culture pedagogy, that's where it's at. Remember, y'all, that it's an honor to be in front of your kids, and remember, parents, you can be empowered to do great things. Don't don't be don't be afraid to go up to that school. I want you empowered and class